Welcome to the podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message brings you hope and encouragement. If you want to share what God has done for you, you can email us at saw at rttnchurch.com. That's S-A-W at rttnchurch.com. SAW stands for Signs and Wonders, and what better way to display God's power than through your testimony? Let's get right into the message. Second Samuel chapter 4, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, whatever you do, wear that outfit again next Sunday. Come on, tell him it makes you look 12 pounds lighter, come on. Just look really good in that today. Like Elizabeth Taylor told her eighth husband, I won't hold you long. Second Samuel chapter four. When you got to say amen, Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame on his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. Everyone say Mephibosheth. Flip over please to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9, five chapters after that chapter. I'm going to do something today that I don't usually do, but I want to read this entire chapter. It will take just a moment. But how many know the Word of God is good for your soul? I said, how many know the Word of God is good for your soul? Now David said, is there still anyone who is in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they called to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He said, At your service. The king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. So the king said, Where is he? Somebody say, Where is he? Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. King David sent and brought him out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. David said, Mephibosheth, he answered, Here is your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. Look at somebody say, do not fear. For I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather. And you will eat bread at my table continually. How many know that's good news? Then he bowed himself and said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? And the king said to Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given to your master's son all that belonged to Saul and to all his house. You 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 and your sons, therefore, and your servants shall work the land for him. How many know that's good news? 
You will work the land for him and you will bring in the harvest that your master's son may always have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's son, shall eat bread at my table always. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And Ziba said to King David, According to all that my lord the king has commanded his servant, so will your servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table woo, like one of the king's sons. How many know that's good news too? I said, how many know that's good news too? Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Micah. And all who dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants of Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he ate continually at the king's table and was lame on both of his feet. Today I want to talk about, I, I struggled with which title to, to call this. I was going to call it Leaving Loader Bar, but I want to talk about the principles of favor. Look at somebody and make a declaration over them and say, neighbor. Come on, tell them like you love them. Say, neighbor. I declare the favor of God is coming on your life in an unprecedented way. I see some people not talking to anybody. I'm going to give you one more chance to prophesy. Look over at your other neighbors. Say, hey, neighbor. Say, I declare the favor. No, say it like I said it. Say, the favor of God is coming on your life in unprecedented measure. Say, neighbor, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It's coming, coming. Now somebody shout, I receive it. Act like it's on the way right now. Act like it's on the way. Act like favor's on the way. Come on. Father, we thank you. Bless the people. They're your people and the sheep of your pasture, God. And it's our honor to participate in your kingdom. So today, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Woo. My God. Hallelujah. I am continually compelled to preach and proclaim the goodness of God. Because as anointed as a preacher can be, and as revelatory as his spirit may be or her spirit may be in declaring the depth of the goodness of God. How many would agree with me? You can never totally exhaust the subject of the goodness of God. As loudly and greatly as we may proclaim the goodness of God, 
we always will come up short and deficient in appropriately describing the depth of his goodness because he is so infinitely good. That when we think we've gotten to the bottom of his goodness or the edge of his goodness or the height of his goodness, we find out what Paul meant in the book of Ephesians when he said, I looked for the bottom of it but couldn't find his love there, the, the depth of his love. And I tried to find the height of his love but I couldn't ever find how high it was. And then I tried to find the edge of his love but his love was much wider than I ever could imagine. This kindness of God is not something that can just be exhausted. In fact, God is eternal, which means his love and kindness is eternal. Because God is not just a loving God. He's not just a kind God. God is actually love. Do you understand that God is not just a loving God, but God is actually love? That's a, that's a difference there. There's a difference between him being loving and him being love. If he was loving, he might get in a mood that would pull him out of being loving. But the fact that he is love means that as long as he lasts, he will always be demonstrating love because it's the essence of who God is. God is, come on, First John chapter 3, God is love. God is not just loving you. God is love. That's why you can never preach the end or the depth of the fullness of the kindness and the love of God. He is good and will always be good. There is no badness or vileness in his nature. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. In fact, we're only here today because God is good. There would not even be a reason for humanity to have ever been created had it not been for the goodness and the love of God so within him and part of him that he decided to create an object of, of, of his love that he could bestow goodness upon. We are a product of the overflow of the goodness of God. That is why we have an assignment to make sure the earth knows that this quote unquote God whose name is often damned and whose character is often maligned as being some sort of evil, mean, judgmental, harsh, religious, uh, got a rod in his hand ready to beat people up. That is often the God that, that, that gets portrayed in our generation as if God were out to get us. Can I help everybody understand? If God were out to get you, you would have already been gotten. God is not out to get you. God is out to show you his goodness. And I just need to thank him today that the goodness of God is not often demonstrated to those who have their ducks in a row and their act together, but God will often show his goodness to people who have written themselves off, declared themselves disqualified, said that there was no hope for them. It is those people who, the, uh, oh yes, the forgotten folk, the marginalized folk, the folk that are in the minority, they said they'd never be anything, never would amount to anything, never become anything. Thing. You came from nowhere, you're going nowhere, born in the house of nobodies, and God said just when people write them off, that's when I'm going to raise them up and make them the object of my goodness. Slap your neighbor, tell them God is good. 
God is so good that when God gets ready to bless people, God doesn't just go find those who look like they got it all together. God will often demonstrate the extravagantness of his goodness in choosing people. Everybody else wrote off when they walked out of the room, God walked in and said, look what I'm getting ready to do in your life. If you've ever felt abandoned, if you've ever felt good for nothing, if you've ever felt like you missed your moment, if you ever felt like a has-been, a should-have-been, or a wanna-be, don't ever drop your head and let the devil convince you that God doesn't know where you are. I want you to know he's a good God, and before your life is over, you're gonna taste and see that the Lord is good. David said, I would have lost my mind and slipped on my journey had I not seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I'm thankful for heaven. I'm glad I'm going there one day, but I don't have to wait till heaven to taste the goodness of the Lord. I'm going to taste his goodness in the here and the now. The Bible said in the book of Psalm, his anger is for a moment, but his favor and goodness are going to last you a lifetime. Somebody say praise the Lord for his goodness. He's a good God. And I felt like God today wanted me to declare favor is coming on your life. Now this story before us is an expression in a prophetic layer. If you read this and understand this text through a prophetic lens, you will see the, the appropriate application of this text is good news for you and I. Because we have some characters here in this text that are perfect types and symbols of our own life and the way in which God demonstrates his goodness and kindness and his favor to us. You have a man named David who has a relationship of covenant with a man named Jonathan. Now, I don't have time to rehearse the significance of their covenant, but you understand in 1 Samuel, David and Jonathan were the most unlikely of two people to come together because it was Jonathan whose father Saul hated David. And yet the Bible says in the book of 1 Samuel that God knit the heart of David and Jonathan together and they covenanted with each other that what I have and what I have I will give to you and what you have you will give to me and, and we will share and we will walk in communion and we will walk in harmony and we will walk in covenant together. Now, flip over to 2 Samuel chapter 9. Jonathan and Saul are dead. David is now sitting on the throne. David doesn't need anyone. He doesn't have to have anyone. He needs no agreement. He is the king, the monarch. He, he is the leader of Israel. And most leaders and most kings and most monarchs, they were busy ridding the earth of any residue of prior uh, monarchies and prior kingships. David, David could have killed anybody left in Saul's house. David could have killed anybody left in Saul's lineage. And I am shocked when I open my Bible to 2 Samuel chapter 9 and instead of the king of Israel trying to get rid of anybody left in the house of Saul, the Bible says something stunning and absolutely amazing. It said that David asked a question, is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I can show not judgment to but kindness to? 
Oh, my Lord Jesus. Is there anybody left in the house of Saul, not that I can get rid of, but that I could bless and give my favor to? Why? For Jonathan's sake. The king had the ability to get rid of anybody left in the house. Saul. But instead of getting rid of them, David has the heart and nature of the father. There is a picture of God here in David. When David could have judged Saul's grandson and Jonathan's son, instead of judging him, he showed him favor. Why? Because he had a covenant with Jonathan. How many in this place know that God could judge us? Y'all not going to help nobody right here. God could have let us die. God could have let us expire. How many know we made enough of a mess and were from the wrong house and had some crazy, oh, I know y'all not going to agree with this, but wink at me if you know I'm talking to you. You had a crazy family tree and some mess. Come on, y'all. There's a reason why you don't invite people over to your house all the time to see your other family because you don't want them to know what God has brought you out of. I know that I ain't help. Ah, I'm going to help somebody in here today. There's some stuff you try to hide. There's some stuff that you want to keep from your friends. You don't want them to know how messed up your house and your family was because if we ever seen where you came from, we would know there is a God in Israel that you didn't wind up like that. You didn't get stuck and stay in that mess. God brought you out of that and by the grace of God, although you could have been and although I'm not what I'm going to be, I'm thankful I'm not what I used to be. God has done a work in my life. David is trying to find someone in Saul's house to show kindness to because of the covenant he made with Jonathan. And that leads me to this understanding that I need to make sure you know about today. Any goodness God ever wants to show you has nothing to do with you being deserving of it. There is only one reason the king would desire to show favor on any of us. It is because of a covenant that God made with his own son Jesus. That because we trust in him, something that we did not deserve might come into our life. Oh, look at somebody next to you right now and tell them, neighbor, I know how I got here. I know how I got here. I know how I got here. It wasn't my connections that got me here. It wasn't my friends that got me here. It wasn't my position and my power that got me here. I am only here because of a covenant that I have with Jesus. And God made a covenant with his own son. And he told him, if you'll die for them and they'll put their trust in you, I'll bless them because of the work, Jesus, that you have done. I am not here because I deserve to be here. I am not here because I earned my way into this place. I am here because when God started demonstrating his goodness, the only claim I ever had to the favor of God is that I know Jesus. He's the one that bought me. He's the one that caught me. He's the one that taught me. He's the one that rescued me. You can sit out there and act like you knew how you got here and you can even assume that you deserve to be in this building, but I am only here by the grace of our Lord. It is because of the covenant that I made with him that I'm blessed from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I could have lost my mind, lost my way, lost everything I have, but Jesus wanted to show me kindness. And I'm thankful today that when he could have thrown me away and sent me to the auction block, instead he said, I'm going to show you favor. Amen. 
Is there anybody in this house of Saul that I can show my kindness to? And so the Bible says that he goes to get Ziba. Ziba was the steward of Jonathan's house. The king pulls Ziba in and says, is there anybody in Saul's house that I can bless? Ziba in this picture represents the work of the Holy Spirit. My God. The Holy Spirit knows where you are. I didn't get no help on that right there. The king said, is there anybody in Saul's house that I can bless? And Ziba said, there is one. His name is Mephibosheth. Look at somebody say, he knows your name. Ah, this is crazy because now we're being introduced to the second character in the story. And this is a young, this is a young man who, who has been lame his whole life. Now, I need to explain something to you. When God gets ready to show kindness to somebody, God doesn't necessarily go get the most equipped and the most qualified. He simply wanted to know, is there anybody in the house that I can bless in, 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 in the name? and because of the covenant I made with Saul. And Ziba said, Mephibosheth, but he is lame on his feet. And the reason I read 2 Samuel chapter 4 verse 4 to you is so that you can understand that this man Mephibosheth is crippled and lame. He is not just crippled and lame because he was born that way. There was a tragedy that occurred somewhere early in his life. In fact, it occurred at the time when his grandfather Saul and his father Jonathan were killed. And the Bible said that the nurse, knowing that Mephibosheth was of royal lineage and would be the next to be killed, she grabbed the boy up and in haste and fear for his life took off running with Mephibosheth so that she could help him escape the sword of the Gibeonites. While she is running from those who want to kill him, she drops him and the Bible said he is maimed. He did not drop himself. He did not hurt himself. Someone who was called to care for him dropped him. Oh, God, can we preach about this for a moment in the church? How many people are sitting in church? They weren't born uh, as screwed up as they are. They weren't born as maimed as they are. They weren't. Listen, I know we were born crazy, but can we all acknowledge that there are some things that happen in our life that exas exacerbate our problems? They make our frailty worse. This man, Mephibosheth, didn't do anything to mess his life up. Someone who was supposed to be carrying him dropped him. There are people sitting in church who love God, but they're stuck. They're lame. And if you trace back their paralysis, many times it is connected to the mistreatment of people. Somebody dropped me. Somebody hurt me. Somebody offended me. Somebody abused me. Somebody took advantage of me. Somebody lied to me. Somebody hurt me. Somebody assaulted me. Somebody dropped me. How many people are stuck not as a result of something they inflicted on themselves, but how many people are sitting in churches today stuck because they just can't get out of the mess someone else helped them into? 
Mephibosheth is stuck. He's laying on his feet, and he's been that way since he was five. Somebody dropped him. There's people in church today, they don't even know who they are. They don't even understand the royalty because the wreck was so bad that it caused them to forget the royalty that they were. Oh, I'm getting ready to talk to somebody in here today. There are too many people in here today who have become victims of the wreck rather than victors because of their royalty. I came to remind you today that before you were ever lame, before you were ever stuck, before you were ever living in Lodabar, before you were ever a mess, before you ever got dropped, before you were ever lied to, before you were ever hurt, you were born through royal seed. Oh my God. Somebody today's got to go back, back past the pain. You got to go back past the hurt. You got to go back past uh, the, the situation that keeps you trapped. And you got to remind yourself, I'm not just the victim of their mess that they made. I am the child of a king. I have royal blood. Mephibosheth had royal blood flowing in his veins and yet he is stuck. In Lodabar, Lodabar, everybody say Lodabar, 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 Lodabar means without pasture. It literally is the place of nothingness. How many people do we know? Oh, God, help me today, Lord. How many people do we know who are stuck and paralyzed in a place of nothingness? They're sitting in a borrowed house. They're living with people they don't even know. That's what, that's what is going on in the life of Mephibosheth. He's living with someone that he's not even really supposed to be living with in a land that has nothing. There's no fruit. There's no vegetation. There's no harvest. There's no pasture. It is barren. There's nothing growing. There's no seed in the ground. There's no fruit on the tree. Who am I talking to in this place today? I am stuck in Lodabar. Come on out of Lodabar, Mephibosheth. Don't you want to walk in the blessing of the Lord? Yes, I do. But the problem is I can't get anywhere because I'm lame on my feet. And I got this way because of something that happened in a chapter of my past. And I am stuck in a place called nothing. People near me are praising God. People near me are talking about harvest. People near me are talking about the blessing of the Lord. But I am a Mephibosheth. I am the grandson of Saul, the son of Jonathan, and I am lame on my feet. And he is in Lodabar, in a place of nothingness. What he doesn't know is that while he is in Lodabar, in a place of nothingness, the king is getting ready to show him favor. And Ziba knows exactly where to go get him. Look at your neighbor say, neighbor. There is a radar on your life. Tell them God knows where you are. I don't even know if they received that. Look over at your other neighbor. Tell them, neighbor, God knows where you are. Yeah, 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 yeah. You might be in a mess, but God knows where you are. You might have just come out of a divorce, but God knows where you are. You might have just come out of bankruptcy, but God knows where you are. You, you may feel forgotten and alone, and you may have even forgotten that you are royalty. But when the king wants to know, where is somebody in Saul's house that I can show kindness and favor to? Zeba, who represents the Holy Spirit, knows exactly where to find him. I just need to praise God that no matter how far 
your Lodabar is away. No matter how disconnected and distant you seem, the spirit of the living God knows where you are this morning. And God is getting ready to come to the house you're staying in. Something is getting ready to happen. While you are sitting there talking yourself out of the destiny God has for you, the king has sent somebody to retrieve you from your place of nothingness. And I came to tell you, you have an appointment with the king of glory this morning. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, neighbor, you got an appointment with the king. You got an appointment with the king. I don't know if he's going to heal your lame legs, but he wants to see you. I don't know if he's going to take care of all your past, but I know this. He wants to see you. Somebody's calling your name today. There's somebody in here who feels forgotten today. God sent me by the tails. I ain't talking to everybody. I came to talk to Mephibosheth today. Somebody who feels lame and left alone and forgotten in a place called Lodabar. The king is calling you. Somebody said, take me to the king. Oh, take me to the king. I'm tired of living in this place. I'm tired of living in this land. I'm tired of thinking about what could have been had my legs not been lame. If they wouldn't have dropped me, if I'd have never been through that mess, maybe I would have been something better. But look at me. I'm tired of talking like that. I'm ready to get up out of Lodabar. I'm ready to get up out of this place. I'm ready to go see the king. Anybody ever got hungry enough to go see the king that you're willing to leave the place you've been stuck in all your life? Some of you got to get sick of Lodabar. Some of you need to get sick of the pasture of nothingness and you need to get hungry to see the king. And they go down to Lodabar and they get Mephibosheth and they give him and escort back to Israel. And when he comes in before the king, he falls down on his face. I'm going to tell you what, worshipers. We got to get back to falling down on our face again. Because there's people who think when you get in the presence of the king, you ought to stand up and tell them how you got there. And you ought to stand up and tell them why you deserve to be there. But there's a handful of us that understand this morning that the reason, the only reason that I'm in your presence is because you invited me there. I don't deserve to be here. In fact, I, I'm disqualified from standing before you. I'm a mess. I'm lame. I got issues. I got flaws. I got sins. I got problems. I don't even deserve to be in this place. Why am I here? You're here, said David, because I wanted to show kindness. Now, this word kindness is interesting. We, we think of kindness just as, oh, I'm going to be nice to you. That is not just what kindness is. In fact, this word kindness is the Hebrew word kesed. It's used a handful of times in Scripture. It's used over in Genesis 39, verse 21. Can I explain this to you real quick? Can I teach this? In the, in the Bible, in Genesis 39, 21, that word cassette is used to speak of Joseph. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, watch, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. <laughs> Joseph was in prison, but he found cassette. He found favor in the sight of the leader of the prison. This same word is used over in Esther. When the Bible said that Esther came into the presence of the king and found 
favor with the king in his presence. It's not just kindness. It's that something in the heart of God attracted him to Mephibosheth for the express purpose of revealing his goodness. David did not wait on Mephibosheth to earn the invitation because I found out if it was up to me to earn it, then I might be able to ruin it. It might, it might take me being able to impress the king before I ever got this act of favor. It's not just for those who could buy it because if you have to be able to buy favor, then the poor and the broke people could never have favor. And oftentimes, it's the broke people who start out with nothing that wind up owning everything because if God be for me, who can be against me? What I'm trying to tell you is favor has little to do with the person receiving it and everything to do with the heart of the one who is getting ready to demonstrate it. I couldn't earn this favor. You didn't deserve this favor. What God is getting ready to do in your life has nothing to do with what you're qualified for. That's why when it happens, you got to throw up both hands and say, look what the Lord has done. He says, I'm going to show you favor for Jonathan's sake. Favor. There are several blessings of favor here. I'm going to give them to you and I'm going to get out your way. He said, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to restore to you the land that belongs to you. This is crazy. This man is living in a borrowed house in the middle of nowhere. He has lame feet, and he's not even living in royalty. And he is now, isn't it amazing what one appointment with the king can do in your life? Look at your neighbor telling the king can change everything. The king can change everything. The, I'm, who am I talking to? The king can change everything. Well, I need an appointment with Mr. So-and-so. I need appointments with Sister So-and-so. I need an appointment with the board. They got money, and I heard if I see them, they might give me something. Let me help you understand something. They may have forgotten you and lost your phone number, but if you ever get in the presence of the king, one appointment with the king can change. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It, it, the, the, I, the potency of one encounter with the king can restore everything you lost. Can I preach about restoration for just a minute? I know there's some people in here who don't think they've lost anything, but there's a handful of people in here who look back over their life and they've been wondering about some stuff that they lost in a previous season on their journey. The devil's convinced you to believe that you're going to lose that and never be able to get it back. But God sent me today to tell you favor's getting ready to come on your life and things that you forgot about and things that you, you acquiesce and said, I'll never get back. God is about to blow your mind. He is about to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that you can ask or think according to the power that is that this is not just TBN talk. This is not just happy preaching. God is in the business of restoring people who have lost it and wrecked it and ruined it and you put a tomb on it and you put a, a grave marker on your dream and you put a, you put a period where God God wanted you to put a comma, slap your neighbor and tell him it ain't over yet. I said slap your neighbor, tell him it ain't over. 
God is getting ready to restore some things in your life. Lost opportunities, lost open doors, lost ministry, lost opportunity, lost business partnerships, lost contracts, lost relationships. I don't know who I came to talk to, but everybody in this place who's been looking for something you lost, I declare favor is coming on your life not because you deserve it not because you earned it but because of the covenant you have with the king of glory slap your neighbor tell a neighbor god's getting ready to restore it somebody give it praise somebody give god praise this thing is about to not be a teaching. It's about to be a prophetic encounter. Somebody give God praise. I don't know how long you've been stuck in Lodabar, but one moment with the king is getting ready to restore you. And when God puts it back, I believe you're going to get interest on everything you lost. And while it was gone, Oh, God. Grab three people, tell them restore, 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 restore. You're getting ready to have your sleep restored. Your money's going to get restored. Jobs are going to get restored. Favor's coming back on your life. God is getting ready to give you back what the enemy stole. The thief has got to put it back. Somebody's shiny ass. My Bible said, oh, 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 it don't say that, but that's what I felt come up in me. My Bible said in the book of Joel, when looking at the people of God, Israel, he said, what the palmer worm left, the canker worm stole. What the canker worm left, the caterpillar stole. What the caterpillar left, the locust showed up and took everything. And before you knew it, the enemy looked like it had stripped the tree of Israel down to nothing. Hallelujah. But Joel said, even though the enemy came to steal it, he said the rain is going to come. I just came out of one of the rainiest weeks Chattanooga's ever seen. And I felt like God wanted me to tell you the rain is a reminder that favor and restoration are on the way. If your front yard got flooded with rainwater, it's a prophetic sign. It's getting ready to be flooded with favor. Yes, the favor of the Lord. Oh, I feel God in this house today. Look at somebody tell them favor. He said, all that land is getting ready to be restored. Mephibosheth is sitting there saying, land? I didn't know I had no land. Look at somebody tell him, you got land. Oh, you got land. You got some territory. You got some stuff that belongs to you. There is a reason why nobody could take it all of those years because it didn't have their name 
time on it, but I came to tell you what God has for you. It has your name on it. Look at your neighbor, slap somebody and tell a neighbor, your blessing has your name on it. The devil thought he stole it, but it's still got my name on it. And what God said is mine belongs to me. If you believe it, give him praise. Well, the musicians, I want to sing while I preach. Somebody get up here and help me preach. Hallelujah. Sit down. I got to keep going with this. I got to keep. That's just point one. Hold on. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. I done got myself in a mood to preach this morning. Not only did David give him back what was his. But he made him a promise. He said, Mephibosheth, lame, legs, and all, you are going to have access to my table. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor. We're going to talk to each other today. Say, hey, neighbor. Say, in this season a favor, say, divine access is coming on your life. The devil told you you couldn't get in. But I came to tell you hell can't keep you out. When the king gives you access, I found out you can even have enemies surrounding you and God will prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. Somebody say access, access, access. You've been living in Lodabar, but the, oh God, the king told me to tell you he saved you a seat at the table. I feel like hollering in this church. You got a seat at the table. You got access. He said, I want Mephibosheth to know. He can have access to the king's table. Watch this. And eat from the king's table. <laughs> For the Look at your neighbor say, don't hate on me. Come on, you can eat hater chips, drink hater, rave, eat hater tots. But don't hate on me. I'm fixing to go into a place of access that I don't deserve to go. In fact, I'm informing you before I get there, I don't deserve to be there, but I'm going anyway. Because when the king calls on you, you got to make up your mind that Lodabar ain't worth staying in. And you got to decide that I have been here my whole life, but the king is calling and giving me access to a place I've never had access to before. You would think that the king's table, mm, mm, keep me in the right key, yes, you would think that the king's table is reserved for the elite and reserved for the strong and reserved for the mighty, but I found out that the king will often invite people that nobody else would invite to their party. You, 
you know why the king is willing to invite Mephibosheth? Because the king is so powerful that the weakness of Mephibosheth could never affect the strength of the king. And can we praise God this morning that as messed up as we are, we've got an invitation to the king's table and we're not going to eat the scraps and the leftovers of Lodabar. But we've been ushered into the presence of the king. And I thought I read a scripture in the book of Ephesians that said we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. Slap your neighbor, say, hey, neighbor, take me to the king. Take me to the king. I know you don't think I deserve to be there. I know you wouldn't let me in your club. But the king is calling my name, and I gotta get out of Lodabar, and I gotta get to the palace. I'm through with this. I'm through with this. The next component of favor. Not only will God restore you, not only will God give you divine access, but watch this. The Bible said that he looked at Mephibosheth and said, Mephibosheth, Zeba, and his sons and servants. I feel a missionary Baptist anointing on me today. Yeah, I don't feel this every Sunday, but I feel it on me. Feel it, feel it, feel it on me right now. He said, Mephibosheth, Zeba, and all of his servants are going to till your soil and reap the harvest and bring it to your house. Oh, and the last thing I need to tell you about favor is that when God favors your life, not only will he restore you, and not only will God give you, uh, not, not only will God give you uh, uh, divine access, but finally God will give you divine help. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, help. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, help. Help is on the way. Yes! You've been lame and wondering how you're going to reap that harvest. You've been lame and you're wondering how you're going to till that field. Well, you gave me this stuff, God. You gave me my land back. You gave me this blessing. And, and I'm thankful for all you've given me. But I don't know if I've got the strength to, to, to till this soil. I don't know if I've got the strength to, to sow this seed. And when harvest comes, I don't know if I'm going to have the strength to reap this harvest. And the king said, I already thought about that. You don't have to worry. Tell somebody, tell them you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry if you're ever going to run out of strength. Help is on the way. Slap somebody and tell them, neighbor, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about how weak you are. Don't worry about how feeble. Don't worry about how messed up. God is going to send you a helper. Somebody said, who is my helper? I'm glad you asked. Jesus said it is expedient for you that I go. Because if I don't go, the Holy Ghost can't come. But if I go back to the Father, I'm going to send you a helper. His name will be called the Holy Ghost and he'll help you while you're on your journey. Slap your neighbor, say, neighbor, I've got help. I've got help. Say, you've got help. You're not alone. You're not too weak. You've got a future. The harvest.
a commercial that came out of a sweet little woman who went into the restroom and she fell down in the bathroom and she lived by herself and couldn't get up out of the floor but she had a necklace on that had a little button on it and she pushed the button and it immediately contacted the authorities and they said, dear lady, what is wrong? She said, can somebody help me? Because I've fallen and I can't get up. I'm going to my seat, but I came to tell somebody who's fallen. Help is on the way. Yes. Touch four or five people and tell a neighbor, no matter how low you fell down, you can get up. You can get up from a divorce. You can get up from an affair. You can get up from bankruptcy. You can get up from a family fight. 
You can get up from being fired. You can get up from the layoff. You may not have the strength to get up, but the Holy Ghost has come today to help you up. Somebody give God praise all over the church. Favor, favor, favor. I know we gotta go, but let me prophesy. Favor over your life. Favor over your family. Favor over your job. Favor over your children. Favor, somebody receive favor. Favor over your grandchildren. Favor over this house. Favor over this city. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. But we're thankful for favor. Somebody give God praise. This is my second and my final close. I have three. <laughs> when God gives you favor and when God gives you restoration and access and help, you have to be careful that you don't talk yourself out of your moment because you still have lame feet. Here's what I thought might happen. What I thought might happen is that God give him access, God give him restoration, and God give him help. I thought God might also, I thought I would read in that story. And God healed his lame legs and he walked right for the rest of his life. But that is not what your Bible says. It said that David invited Mephibosheth to the table and that Mephibosheth stayed at the table continually. Look at somebody and say, for the rest of your life. Oh, come on. I don't know if they received it. Maybe that religion got on them and they don't believe this. But look at your other neighbor. Tell them, for the rest of your life. How? Hallelujah. For the rest of your life, in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s, in your 70s, in your 80s, in your 90s, somebody holler for the rest of my life. He sat at the table of the king, watch, continually, and was lame on his feet. Don't miss it. Don't let the enemy tell you that because you still have lame feet, you can't taste favor. Because favor, this might be what I came to say. Though. If you don't hear nothing else, catch this one. Favor can come to people who still have Lame feet. Come on, just encourage somebody near you. Say, neighbor. Come on, tell them like you love them. Say, hey, neighbor. Say, favor can still come on your life. Even though you have lame feet. Lord, will you please fix my feet? 
and God may not fix your feet, but God's still going to show you favor. And here's what I found out. The king's table is a good place to hide lame feet. Hey, hey, y'all. Hey, y'all, watch this. Last close. Can you imagine coming into the king's palace, walking into the king's dining room and seeing the king's table? And there sitting at the king's table is a lame son of Saul. All they see is from his chest up because he's seated at the table. You look at him and you think, man, how privileged is that man to be seating, seated at the king's table. What you don't know is that underneath the table, the table is a table of grace covering The table is a table of grace that is covering the lame feet in your life. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. My heart is torn to pieces. It's my offering. Lay me at the throne. Somebody worship. Leave me there alone to gaze upon your glory and sing to you this song. Take me to the king. Ha, take me. Come on. Take me to the king. Ha, take me to the king. Sing it again. Take me. Somebody say, take me to the king. Come on. Oh, take me to the king. Take me to the king. Come on. Take me to the king. He's calling somebody. Take me to. If you need him, worship. Take me to the king. Come on. Take me to the king. Take me to the king. If you knew how much he loved you, if you knew how kind and how awesome his favor is over your life, you wouldn't stay stuck in Lodabar. There's somebody in here today that wants to run out of Lodabar. You got lame legs, but you're ready to get out of Lodabar. Lodabar, that place of nothing, that place of, yeah. <laughs> that place of feeling like somebody forgot. That place of feeling like God doesn't know. The Holy Ghost knows where you are. If you feel like the King is calling you and inviting you into his presence today, I want him to sing this one more, one more time, and this is the invitation song today. If you need to run into the presence of the king, the altar is getting ready just to be a place of, of invitation for you right now. When you come today, I can't promise you you're not ever going to have lame legs again. I can just promise you this favor is coming on your life. You've got an appointment with the king. Come on. Take me to the king. If I preach to you today and you need to come out of Lodabar, come on. Come on. I'm coming out of Lodabar this morning. I'm coming out of Lodabar this morning. Favor. I need some people who 
are expecting the favor of God to come on your life. Come on. Take me to the king. Take me to the king. Take me to the king. My life is in need of God. I need you, God. I need you. Take me, take me, take me. Take me to the king. The king will restore your life. I need some worshipers right here. The king will restore your life. Worship you, God. King Jesus, I need you. Somebody call on God. Somebody call on God. Favor is coming. Favor is coming. I want you, we got to go. I want you to reach over, though, and lay your hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Come on. The prophetic announcement that we made over them before this message started is how we're going to seal this moment. But I want you to lay your hand on their shoulder because I believe the Spirit of God is going to flow through your life today into the life of your neighbor. And here's what I want you to begin to pray. Father, thank you that favor is coming on their life today. Say divine, come on, just begin to pray, Lord. Divine access, divine help, divine restoration is coming on your life. To pray for them now. Just pray them that way right now. Divine help, divine access, divine restoration. God, give them help, give them access, give them divine restoration. Come on, keep praying. Help, access, and restoration. Father, I break everything on their life off of them right now that is trying to persuade them to believe favor will never kiss their life. In the name of Jesus, I am asking you, God, right now, let every person who heard this word immediately step into an, uh, an expression of your favor that they've never known before. I pray it would come in dimensions that they've never experienced. The favor of God, the favor of God, the favor of God. The, come on, somebody. The favor of Almighty God. Doors are opening. Access granted. Restoration. Help. Take me to the king. Father, take me to the king. Blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord. I break every stronghold, I bind every demon. I thank God right now that your life is gonna be blessed. Yes, if you know the favor of the Lord is coming on your life, throw your hands up and worship the Lord. Throw 
Throw your hands up and worship the Lord. Take me to the King. is my offering just lay me at the throne leave me there alone to gaze upon your glory sing to you this song take me to the king
Sarah and Chase, come stand with me right now. So come stand with me. Come stand with me. Come on, lift your hands and worship him. He's here. He's here. He's here. Favor, favor. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Favor. Favor, favor, favor. Favor, favor, favor. Favor, favor, favor. It's not going to be fair. It's just going to be favor. It's just going to be favor. Uh-huh. Yep. Help, 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 help. That's what I hear him saying. You say, how am I going to do all this? He said, help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help. The Holy Ghost is coming to help you. Zeba, his sons and servants have been assigned to help you. Oh, glory, glory, favor, 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 favor. Somebody needs favor financially, not just them, but somebody needs favor financially. Throw your hands up if you need God to give. I'm talking about unexplainable stuff happening in your finances. Throw your hands up and catch it right now. Favor, 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 favor. Uh, it's not a rhetorical invitation. It's something you got to say, yeah, that's me. If I'm talking to you and you need favor financially, throw your hands up. Oh, blessing, 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 blessing businesses. I need, I need businessmen and businesswomen to throw their hands up right now and, and receive the favor of the Lord. Oh, In the name, in the name, in the name of Jesus. Favor in your marriage. Favor in your job. Favor in your business. Favor in your house. Favor in your neighborhood. Favor in your city. Favor in your school. Favor, favor, favor. Hallelujah. I see the Spirit of the Lord accelerating. And you know that it can't happen without help, but God said, that's why I'm putting favor on your life. Oh, I feel it right there. Thank you, Lord. I feel it right there. Favor came on you today. Mark the day. The Lord said, restoration, access, uh-huh, that's you, and help. Restoration, access, and help. I bless you now. Hallelujah. I bless you now. Lift your hands, family. Raise, raise those hands up to God. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here right now. This is crazy, but somebody is going to be, God's going to give somebody an invention. I know this is silly. Somebody in this room, their redeemed mind is getting ready to receive from God an idea and an invention that's going to change their life and their family and this church. I hear it. Lift your hands and thank. I'm thank this is the kind of favor I'm talking about. Some people think, oh, favor is a feeling. Favor has nothing to do with a feeling. Some of y'all don't feel any of this, but when you go home, you're going to have doors open for you. You can't explain. Write me a note and say, thank you, thank you, pastor, for favor. Thank you for telling me favor was on the way. Woo! Favor, favor. You've been living in Lodabar long enough. Now favor's coming on your life. I bless you now. 
I bless you now. Somebody give Jesus, who is the one who makes everything possible. Give him the highest praise you've given him all day long. Pastor Quantel, I want you to come and bless the people. Lift your hands up in a receiving position for the last time. Pastor Quantel is going to give us the benediction today. Thank you, Jesus. Hello. Father God, we thank you. We thank you that we have an appointment with the king. Father God, we thank you for the word that you gave the bishop. We receive it, we believe it, and we just wait to watch it manifest in our lives. Supernatural favor, God. Oh, Lord, we thank you, Father God, for the word. We thank you for supernatural favor. We thank you for the man of God that preached that dynamic word. Lord, go before us, Father God. Pour your favor out on our families. Increase our territories. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.